Hey, I know you're probably driving or running or cleaning the house or doing something else when you're listening to this, but look, if you're a B2B marketer and you need to start generating revenue from your marketing, then you have to check out our 12-week program, the B2B Incubator. It's built for small in-house B2B marketing teams with limited time and budget. We give you the strategy, the templates, and the tools to start driving revenue, not just leads. So if you're ready to act on all the advice Kevin and I give you, next time you take that first sip of coffee in the morning, make sure you head to the b2bincubator.com and apply now. There's only 10 spots available per cohort with our next one launching in February 2024. Remember, the b2bincubator.com. Apply now so you don't miss out. We've had B2B marketing managers, CMOs, marketers in demand journal roles, and content leads and more all go through this program and they're currently executing the demand strategy that they created in it. Again, make sure you check out the b2bincubator.com and apply now to start driving more demand and more revenue for your brand. Okay, let's get on with the show. and welcome to the B2B Playbook Podcast. Each week, we discuss strategies and tactics to help B2B businesses grow online. We're your hosts, Kevin and George, a couple of digital marketing professionals. We've waded through the noise and made the mistakes so you don't have to. The B2B world has changed and you need to put your customers at the heart of your marketing. We'll cover how you can use our framework, the five Bs, to create a brand that customers are ready to buy from, love and advocate for. We'll get insights from successful people in the industry and cover the latest trends to keep you on the cutting edge of the B2B world. If you're interested in B2B marketing strategies and tactics that work, then this podcast is for you. Subscribe to get the latest from the B2B playbook first. Remember, successful B2B marketing starts with the buyer. Welcome back to the B2B Playbook, Kevin. Rather than my usual musings and attempts at stirring you up, which I... I've had good feedback from people, actually. They all seem to enjoy it. Uh, I think I'm going to start us off with just a nice little testimonial and share it from one of our listeners named Liam McCormack. He is the head of marketing at a company called Yoohoo that are based in Canada. And he said, I really like your podcast format, the breakdown and analysis angle of different companies, B2B strategies mixed with your own framework and some tactical approaches is a B2B podcast mix that I haven't stumbled upon other than yours, and I really enjoy it. Dave Gerhardt mostly does interviews. Chris Walker has his demand gen approach. Metadata talks about what they do internally, and I enjoy all of them. But you two have figured out an interesting mix that brings something new, and that's not easy. You've got a routine listener here. How bloody lovely is that, Kevin? That is very kind and very nice and, yeah, very humbled by that. By that um, lovely piece of feedback, I guess it's uh, it's so nice to have more and more people sending through things like that. And so, please come out and say hi. It's uh, Kevin and I love engaging with our listeners and chatting to our listeners, giving them as much value as we can. In addition to what we do at the pod uh, with the podcast here at the B two B Playbook. So, if you're a listener, you're out there. Please stop in and say hi. We would love to get to know each and every one of you. It does make it all worthwhile for us. It really does. That's it, and it uh, gives me the attention that I so crave, as you well know, Kevin. Indeed, listeners, it does. Takes the burden off me. (laughs) Please, please relieve Kevin. Please relieve Kevin. He can't pretend to get married again. All right, (laughs) now we are on to episode 40. 
Uh, we're looking at the first step in account-based marketing, which is defining the targets. Kev, do you want to give our listeners just a little bit more context as to why we're discussing this now? Sure thing, George. The usual spiel goes that we're in B scene, the third B of our five Bs framework, which also includes be ready, be helpful, be seen, be better, and be the best. This season is all about be seen. It's about amplifying the reach and impact of the helpful and expert content that you've been putting out there as a result of the first two Bs and ensuring you get the maximum impact from that content. In short, you're making sure that your helpful content gets to the right people and more of them and therefore accelerating your B2B marketing growth. In the season, we're looking at the two ways to do seen: ABM approach and paid ads with a demand generation focus. And that's where this episode fits in. It's the first step of the ABM approach, defining the targets. Last week, we gave a quick overview of the ABM approach and what it involves and who it's for and the things that you can maybe accomplish with it if you implement it. But just before the first step, let's have a quick recap of what the ABM mindset is. Account-based marketing or ABM is about narrowing your focus to a smaller number of accounts and creating highly personalized experiences, communications, and campaigns to win their business. It's about figuring out your best fit accounts with the most value potential and using playbooks to build relationships with just them and to win them over. As we said last week, it's contrary to the general approach of scattering marketing and business efforts to get as many leads in as possible, regardless of the quality of those leads. For our listeners that have implemented a demand generation and helpful content strategy, ABM will identify a segment of high value, high intent customers that you can then nurture and convert. Beautiful summary, Kevin. Thank you for that. And that's the key mindset here. Now, Kev, the very first thing that we need to do is define our objective for ABM. Why are we using it? And we touched on this last week. We said that there's a couple of reasons why you can use ABM. You can either use it to win new accounts. You can expand uh, how much you're selling with existing accounts or you can use it to activate accounts that are almost at that point of becoming a customer, or you can use it to ensure renewal of existing accounts. So if you have a big contract coming up, let's launch a campaign to make sure we get those renewals happening. Once we've defined what the objective is, Kevin, of ABM, of the reason that we're using ABM, we wanna really define the targets. And that has three main parts. The first is develop your ideal customer profile. Then after that, you wanna segment them into tiers, And then finally, you want to list the factors for disqualification. So Kev, on that first one, developing your ideal customer profile. Your ideal customer profile will be built on the existing customers that are the best fit to your business. We said that you can can find these by applying the 80-20 rule to your business. Now, we said that the 80-20 rule really helps you identify those 20% of customers that are driving that 80% of profit or really best output for your business. And uh, it's really those 20% that fit your company like a glove. They are the best fit for your business. And Kev, when we look at who makes up that 20%, we've spoken that you should probably go just beyond revenue. You got to look at the ones which, you know, really don't keep you past 5 p.m. on the workday, the ones who aren't constantly requesting new features, the ones that aren't, you know, grumpy with you. It's it's the clients that are easy to deal with because you're purpose built for them. They're your 20%. And of course, they pay the bills. So Kev, if we have the objective of winning new accounts, 
We want to identify the top 20% of accounts that fit our business like a glove and then go and find more of them. This is going to help us figure out who these companies and accounts are. Once we do that and we have that list of companies that fit us like a glove, we want to really understand how they buy, why they buy from you over a competitor, what problems you help solve, and then what value they actually got from using your product or service. So it becomes an exercise in deeply understanding uh, why you were such a great fit for them. Yeah, how we like to do this once we've identified those accounts that we want to go after is we want to document them in an ideal customer profile. And this consists of two parts. The first is an ideal account description. And the second is information on the buying committee within that account. So the job roles or positions that might influence your deal from inside those target client accounts. The ideal customer profile or ICP documents the demographic, firmographic, and psychographic details of your target accounts. These are all things that have a lot of parallels with the dream customer persona and the avatar that we talked about earlier in our podcast. And you can find those episodes in season one. And really we're looking to just tweak those or reuse those same dream customer avatars and basically renaming them and adapting them for this ABM approach. And now they're called ideal customer profiles. Yeah, Kev, I remember when we spoke about our dream customer avatars, we really said that in a B2B buying uh, buying decision, there's both the influencer and the decision maker. When we're actually looking at account-based marketing and we're really zooming in on a select group of accounts and going much deeper on probably what the firmographics are, we're actually going to say instead of just those two roles, the decision maker and the influencer, there's really four major roles when it comes to the buying committee when trying to sell your product or service into them. And they are the champion who is likely the end user of your product and the person who actually wants your product or service because it makes their life easier. The second role is the decision maker. That's the one who holds the purse strings. It says yes or no to it. The third is the influencer, and they might be relevant parties who might also benefit from your service or product, but also do have a say and influence the decision maker and perhaps the champion. And then there's the blockers, and they're the people who are trying to keep you out. So for example, Kevin, with us, with the B2B incubator, the champion is normally the in-house marketer. The influencer is the sales team because it can help them uh, get that marketing sales alignment. The decision maker is very often the CEO because they're the ones who sign off uh, on, on the program and the blocker can be the head of marketing if it's a larger marketing team because they might feel that they have the capacity to do what we do in-house already. And Kev, as part of this ideal customer profile, there's really three categories of details that we want to fill it out with. There's firmographic, there's demographic, and there's psychographic details. And we'll just give you some examples of each. So this firmographic details um, is largely information that you gather about your targets at the account level. And that can include information about what industry or sub-industry they're from, what location they're in, so like geographically where they actually are, the company structure, uh, the number of employees or the amount of revenue that they tend to generate annually. These are all real indicators of whether or not they're going to fit that segment that you're going after. 
You could also have some custom firmographic details that are relevant to you. So if you're selling marketing technology, well, you might look at what their tech stack is. So if you're helping sell uh, solutions or services for people who use HubSpot, for example, then uh, making sure that that company already uses HubSpot is a qualifying firmographic detail that would be very important to include. Kev, we also want to look at demographic details, and that includes things like age, job responsibilities, what the KPIs are, what their pain points are, what their personal challenges, frustrations might be, what industry sources of information they trust, who else it is that influences them, uh, questions and objections about uh, using your product or why they would or wouldn't use their product, what their buying process looks like. These are all really key demographic details that you need to understand so we know how to influence their decision making. And finally, Kev, we want to look at psychographic details. So that's focusing on what their habits are, what their thoughts and values are. We want to know if they see the, same, the world the same way that you do because that could be a real key piece of information to know whether or not they're the right kind of target account for us. For example, if you're selling ESG software, software that helps you com comply with your environmental, social governance obligations, then a key part of that would be going, well, is this business environmentally uh, and socially minded? Is that something that's a core part of their values? Because if they are, then they're much more likely to uh, be someone who would use your product or services. So psychographic details can be key as well. Well, George, lots of info there, lots of things to fill out and find out about your top accounts and your key accounts, the big fish. But listeners, uh, don't worry. A lot of this stuff uh, can be really templated and we've spoken about a lot of that before already. You'll see a lot of parallels with how we established our dream customer persona avatars. A lot of those same principles and things come back into play, but maybe with just a few more roles um, in that buying committee as George spoke about just before. One aspect that you can really turn your attention to as you start filling out all these different details is you wanna understand how you won over that top 20% of accounts that are already with you and why they chose you. Think about things like value and differentiation. Why did they choose your company over the competition? Who else did they consider? And what results they got with you and maybe not your competitors? Also look to really understand the buying journey and the buying committee is the things that you're maybe missing roles that you're missing steps in the journey that you're missing what triggered the search how did they find your product what were they researching who was doing that research and finally what are the factors that went into the decision making process sorry to interrupt guys but i need to let you know that our next cohort of the b2b incubator is launching in february 2024 for those who don't know, the B2B Incubator is our no-fluff program that gives you the strategy, the templates, and the tools that you need to drive more revenue for your business, not just leads. It's built for small in-house marketing teams with limited time and budget. So if you're ready to act on all the advice that we give you and you want to start driving more revenue for your business, next time you sit down at your desk with a cup of coffee, remember to head to the b2bincubator.com and apply now. There's only 10 spots available per cohort. So apply now for our cohort launching in February 2024 so you don't miss out. The b2bincubator.com. Check it out. All right, back to the episode. Yeah, Kev, it makes sense to analyze that top 20% of accounts because if we're going after 
more accounts that look just like them, then we already have an in with these people because they're our customers. So you already have access to chat to them, to analyze your communications with them, to really try and find out uh, why it is that they chose you, what your value and differentiation is. And then you can take all that information and you can use that as part of the information that underpins your account-based marketing strategy. Because the odds are if they are very similar companies to your existing customers. They're going to have very similar problems. They're going to have a very similar looking buying committee and so on and so forth. So great place to start. Kev, uh, there's a great couple of guys that are follow on LinkedIn. They have a business called fullfunnel.io and they help companies create and execute ABM campaigns. And they actually have a really good list of all of this that we'll direct our listeners to so they don't have to go through the podcast and jot down notes. And maybe we can just link that in the show notes for our listeners. Definitely well, it's a great place for our listeners to get started on collecting that information. So practically, George, how do we go about collecting this information with the key accounts? Well, it's as simple as interviewing your top 20% customers and basically just asking them. Maybe you can get some of that information from LinkedIn, from LinkedIn Sales Navigator. Normally, a handful of clients, 10, 5 or 10 is fine to get you started and get that information flowing through to your ICPs. Um, but yeah, nothing beats just talking to your top 20% of customers. We always advocate for that. It comes in handy with different steps. And this is just another step where that conversation with the dream customers really helps. And you could also interview your sales team. Often they are the ones that have the most contact with these top 20 uh, customers, particularly past the point where they've signed on and now they're your customers and they're continuing to be your customers. Go through and analyze sales calls, emails, and use those as resources to find out more information about what you need to know for those key accounts. Yeah, I think, uh, as we said, Kev, we really prefer interviewing customers. And we had Ryan Gibson on here a couple of weeks ago. And he said that the problem with talking to sales and listening to sales calls is, well, at that stage, your customer is already solution aware. So we miss those triggers of what made them go from unaware to problem aware and problem aware to solution aware, uh, which are really key points for us to actually deeply understand uh, how, what their buying journey looks like and how we can push them through those different stages of awareness, which is really going to help us maximize the chances of this ABM campaign succeeding. Mm, good point, George. Good point. And again, a great conversation with Ryan. Listeners, if you haven't heard that one, please go back and check it out. Next step, George, is tier segmentation and disqualification. So when we look at tier segmentation, we're taking the segment that we've already established and we're breaking it down into three tiers as we spoke about last episode. And that breakdown all depends on the revenue potential within that segment. Adjusting your offering for the bigger clients and for the smaller clients and maybe revenue potential. One way of doing that is perhaps basing it on size. Um, so the number of employees within businesses and tiering it that way. And making sure you then allocate your time and resources appropriately when it comes to personalization across the different tiers. Yeah, so we might allocate more resources for tier one because they're larger organizations and, uh, and their potential revenue is much higher as opposed to tier three, which is smaller organizations, lower revenue potential, still all worth targeting, but we will probably need to ta have more tailored personalized programs for the tier one accounts compared to the tier three accounts. So that's just something to keep in mind. And if your resources are really limited, it might make a lot of sense a lot of the time 
to really just focus on your tier one or a handful of those tier one clients to begin with. Yeah, and Kev, I'll just add there that tier one clients shouldn't be like, you know, you listing your absolute dream clients like Microsoft, Google. Like, yeah, everyone wants them as clients, but you've got to be realistic about it. So if we have limited resources, then let's just have a look at which group of potential clients do we at least have a really good product market fit with? Do they have some kind of awareness of us already? so we can realistically win them over. So I think that's really a key point for people starting out in ABM. Is It's not going to win you anyone in the world. It still has to be a really good fit between your product and the customer. And we have to have that warm-up and awareness around them. Especially in the first round, George, I think uh, maybe people can build towards Google and Microsoft uh, over the long term. But as you said, the first couple of rounds, we really just want to get things under our belt and get that experience and knowledge under our belt. So make sure you're realistic and balancing all the different things that we've spoken about already. Yeah. I mean, if we want to present some results to our boss and show it works, then let's start with a group of people who we think it's going to be more likely to, that it's going to work for. So let's, uh, let's walk before we run. All right, George. So this process then leads us to how to make a list of what disqualifies companies. And again, listeners, you can add to this list over time as the campaign goes on. For us, the disqualification might be if a business refuses to interview their customers, this is so fundamental to our 5B strategy that it just doesn't make sense uh, for us to align with businesses like that. And for the B2B incubator, it might also be that really early stage startups are disqualified as well because they're the ones that need this strategy but don't have the funds to then pay for the program that we're advocating for. So they might need to find an alternative way to approach this problem that they might have. One final example in our case is the decision maker might be short-term orientated because the things we're advocating for here, demand generation, ABM approach, all these different things that fit within our 5Bs framework, these things take time. Helpful content takes time to get right and to produce and to distribute. And so if they're really short-term focused, they're not the companies that's right for what we're advocating for here because these things take time. And obviously that's in conflict with their short-term objectives. Yeah, and you'll get to understand what makes a disqualifying factor um, as this program runs. And so as part of that, you need a tight feedback loop between sales and marketing. So sales, you know, in their conversations with people at the point where they're handed over, they might tell you that there's more disqualifying factors that you haven't thought of that just make these companies a complete no-go. And you can just add them to your list. So then you reduce the number of accounts that you're targeting initially and just keep refining exactly who that ICP is. All right, Kev, people are wondering, how do we compile all this information? Do we need a fancy platform to do it? Where can we do it? Honestly, Kev, a Google Sheet is perfect. It's easy. You can fit it all in one place. It's shareable. So document your ICP just in a tab on Google Sheet um, with all that information about the key accounts that you're targeting, about the disqualifying factors, and uh, about the demographic information for each of the four key buying roles within the buying committee. And that's a great place to start. And we can just add to that Google Sheet as we cover in future episodes, things like what positioning and messaging that we should add. And uh, we could probably even add a bit of a dashboard to it, Kev, a nice little simple dashboard. So Google Sheets are a great place to start. 
Look, listeners, when you start this process, you're not going to be able to go after a lot of clients. And really, that is not the point of ABM. You want to focus in on just a handful, on a very small handful. And so Google Sheets will give you more than enough space to handle that sort of information. What's really important is, again, keeping that ABM mindset front of mind when you approach this whole process. It's all about, once again, looking at a very small handful of high-value accounts and creating highly personalized experiences, communications, and campaigns to win their business and their business alone. So that's step one of the ABM approach. Key takeaways for this episode. To give your ABM campaigns the best chance of success, you need to define a market segment that already fits your business like a glove and that you've had some success with. Defining the roles of the buying committee Their motivations and objections for using your product or service gives you a great roadmap as to who you need to influence to win a deal. The best place to gather all this information is to interview your best customers. Very good, Kevin. Surprise, surprise, at the start of any great strategy, be it ABM, starts with interviewing and chatting to and deeply understanding the customer. Listeners, you can find the links to everything we discussed in the show notes, including that link to the full funnel guys breakdown on what you should include in your ideal customer profile. Next week, we're going to dig into positioning and messaging that you will actually need to create in order to win over accounts with ABM. We're so grateful. Each week, more and more marketers are tuning in every Monday morning. If we can ask one thing, it's just to please leave us a short review on whatever platform it is that you listen on, or even better, pass it on to someone who you think would get real value from the B2B Playbook podcast. It's a huge help to us, and we'd really appreciate it. Thank you, Kev. Thank you, listeners, and catch you next week. Take care, listeners. Catch you next week. A quick note before you go, listeners, you can find more great content and get in touch with us at theb2bplaybook.com. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast and our newsletter while you're there to get the latest news, tips, and resources from our playbook. We'll be back the same day and same time with another episode next week. Thanks for tuning in to the B2B Playbook. Remember, successful B2B marketing starts with the buyer.